and welcome to the second season of the Yamcast, where we help young adults navigate this world and assist anyone in starting a young adult ministry. We do this by going through some books of the Bible that we are currently going through with our own young adult group. I am one of your hosts, Erica Haas. And I'm the other host, Chris Stukenberg. We love to guide this age group through life and their faith. And this season, we're actually going to cover the book of Ruth. Uh-huh. And we're super excited about it. So if you'd like to know more, check us out at Instagram at the EMCast or Facebook at EMCastPod. Or you can email us at EMCastPod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please share with your friends because we all know that sharing is caring. Subscribe, rate, and review on any of the podcast platforms. All right. Well, welcome to the EMCast. Hi, everybody. We are going to be picking up our discipleship segment. Uh, We started this, we had a uh, part one a few weeks back that we will tag for you in our show notes if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, So, but this one, we have part two, and we just kind of want to chat a little bit about the reason as to why we need to talk about discipleship. Um, It's kind of a a Christianese word, if you will. We kind of made that. You know, because it's almost like Christians have their own language. So we Mm -hmm. have this word called discipleship, and we kind of want to give it to some bones and frameworks. I feel like we throw it around all of the time. And I think if you really were to think about it, you'd be like, I don't even know what that is or what that entails. Yes, and most people define it in a way that probably is not helpful. I would, yeah, I would agree. So we're, at our our church, we have a, a framework that we look at with discipleship. So we as a church... Going people, we use this word either to describe ourselves or what we are to be doing. So I am a disciple or I am making disciples is what we often say as a, as a Christian. That's what we're aiming for. That's what Jesus told us we need to be doing when he left the planet. So well, how do we know what we are truly making them into? Or how do we know if we are being successful as a disciple ourselves or even with those that we are feeling led to make into disciples? Like how do we even know what that looks like? So if anyone has ever had a goal in their life, they usually have a benchmark, right? They usually have some sort of end thing that lets them know when they've reached it or what it looks like to have achieved it, right? I think everything in our life, we have some type of expectation or goal or finish line, right? Mm -hmm. And why would we not have that for discipleship? Because if you didn't, you'd basically look like the Israelites that are wandering in that desert for <laughs> 40 flipping years trying to, f- and they forget where the, what their destination is. In the fairness, time. I think they knew what the ideal was. They just chose not to aim for it at all. Over and over <laughs> and over again. So maybe they didn't. Maybe. You know? So let's not be like them. Let's not be like the Israelites. Just kidding. Let's have have a goal in mind. They have some not so great things. Yeah. Let's have a goal in mind. Let's aim for it. And here at our church, we call that the DDP, Mm -hmm. the description of a discipled person. So the first part of the DDP for us is love God and his word and love others. That's the golden rule, right? That's the thing that you see in scripture that just makes a lot of sense. It fits. This one is the, the one that kind of is intuitive for Christians, I think, at least part of it. But when we talk about dependence, that's where we're going to go this week, right? Yes. Yeah. So last time, as he said, we talked about the first two. We're looking at the next two. And then the last section, our last part, we will look at the last two. There are six in all. So, yes, we have, we'll be looking at the dependence on Holy Spirit and dependence on prayer today. Yep. And so to start, the dependence on the Holy Spirit idea is the hardest part of the DDP to teach. 
So as a reminder, we at our church have, it's basically six tenets or six ideas, six things that we're aiming for as a disciple. So love God and his word is the first one. Love others is the second one. And then there's, they're not in any particular order after this, but we will just start with this, you know, dependence on the Holy Spirit. But dependence on the Holy Spirit, when I'm teaching this as a disciple maker, this is the one that I can't, it's, there's no real easy way to teach it. There's just no proper way to jump in. So typically what I end up doing is most of the time when I'm working on just dependence on the Holy Spirit, which is a, a thing that Jesus models for us. I'll come back to that in just a second. But when I'm modeling it for people or talking to people or teaching them how to do it, it's not really so much a skill that you learn. It's more of a of a discernment or a wisdom that you start to realize which voice is the right voice. Mm-hmm. So, so often what we actually end up doing in our Christian life is we just kind of follow all the voices that come to us. And dependence on the Holy Spirit is beginning to understand when God's speaking to us and how to follow his voice and to know what that looks like. So it actually reminds me of weeks ago in the podcast, we talked about how do you know the will of God, right? And one of our friends yeah. said, she just knows that it's the will of God because sometimes it's something that she would have never done on her own, but she just kind of gets moved in a direction and she's like, this doesn't make any sense. And she's like, oh God, is this you? And that's sometimes how it works. Sometimes it's, it's much bigger than that. And I'm not even talking about anything weird here. I'm just saying dependence on the Holy Spirit is beginning to learn to listen. And so here's how it starts. For Jesus, we see this modeled in a couple different ways. The first one is right after his baptism. It says he is carried by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to face temptation three times. So that's, that's you know, the beginning of Matthew and the beginning of Luke. We have that, that story. And, and the Spirit is clearly at work there. It even says so. The Spirit carries him into the wilderness and shows him what to do. So Jesus is, is in tune and listening, and the Holy Spirit leads him to go face temptation. That's an interesting concept. It is. And then the second one, uh, the big one that I think of is there's a weird little story in John 4 where at the beginning of it, it says, and Jesus had to go through Samaria. But if you're paying attention, if you know the land, if you know the geography, the region, and all that kind of thing, there is no reason for Jesus to go through Samaria. There are at least two other directions you can go, and a Jew doesn't go through Samaria. So many of us have have posited, and I think it's it's safe to say, when it says, and Jesus had to go through, when he didn't have to go through, it means he's being compelled by someone. Mm-hmm. Some might say something, but I'll say someone. The Holy Spirit is leading him into a place that he doesn't necessarily have to go, but there's there's a, a something that has to happen in that place, in that moment, that leads to Jesus' ministry going the direction it's supposed to go. Yeah. Which sort of then catapults us into this discussion of dependence on the Holy Spirit. So for you, where did you start to learn this idea? What does it look like for you? Dependence on the Spirit. Yeah. Flesh that out a little bit. Yeah. So... Whenever we're talking about disciple or becoming a disciple or what that might look like, I always go back to our our example, and that is Jesus. He is the epitome of what we are to be modeling ourselves after. The dis- a disciple is somebody who is taking steps from trying to be like someone else, and that is is Jesus. So, looking at him and, and how he was dependent on the Spirit is where I was where I end up starting. And you kind of already touched yeah. on some of those, but. I'm just reminded of a study that I did called Walking as Jesus Walked, which I still go back to that that study often. It really opened my eyes to the humanity of Jesus, like, and not that he was only human. He was both. We all agree that he was both of those things, man, like fully human, fully God. Right. It's um, not a 50-50 thing. No. It's a 100-100 thing. And yes. if that doesn't make sense, welcome to Christianity. Right. Thank you. Keep going. Yeah. And it's, 
And what's hard to explain for some of that, too, is when we first learn about Jesus being fully God, we're like, well, of course he could do all of those things because he was God. And at least with this study, it opened my eyes to be like, no, he was able to do those things because he was reliant on God. He was reliant on the spirit working through him, which is what we are asked to do as well. And he even says, you are going to do greater things than I will because a helper is coming. The spirit is coming to be upon you. So um, in that, he really talks about how and, and how he kind of shows that it wasn't him being God doing those things, but him relying on God to do those things is he never takes credit for any of the things that he's that he does. He always says it was God, it was the spirit. It was, he never is like, yeah, that was me. Right. Worship me. Like and he's he, never like that. And he uses terms like father. Yes. as opposed to God. And I, that's Very true. and that's one of the trip up things that we often have whenever we're working through this is we and I do it all the time. Like I I even did it in a sermon a couple of weeks ago and I was kicking myself afterward just I don't want to paint the picture that Jesus and God are different individuals. So the son always refers to the father, and we always think of God as the one on the throne, the big, you know, the big kahuna, so to speak. And then we read Revelation, and you see the big kahuna, and you see the lamb next to him, and you're like, mm-hmm. see? God is the big kahuna. But they're and, the yeah. same. Yeah. It, but the father has a, has a specific role within the Godhead. The son has a specific role within the Godhead. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus is praying for the, five, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, he, he gives thanks to the father and lets the father do the work. Right. Whenever something else happens, he says, well, the father sent me. The father's doing this. The yes. father's doing that. So what you're saying is totally right on. He's always giving credit to God, the father. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's not taking credit himself, but he doesn't need to because he knows it's he's setting an example for us. He's our the ultimate human. He's the, the vision that we're supposed to be looking to and aiming toward, which is really what discipleship is. Right. It's us learning from someone. And so we go, who's our master? Who's the one that, you know, the pioneer, the one that carted off ahead of us? Well, that's what Hebrews 12 is saying, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that shows us what it looks like to be what man was always meant to be. He's the one that sets the example for us. So if the if the example is dependent on the Father through the Spirit, why wouldn't we be dependent on the Spirit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's good that we're doing Spirit with prayer because I think we kind of were talking about this beforehand too, that they just go so much hand in hand because... When Jesus does some of his crazy things, it is right after him praying, which we are going to get into, but it is the spirit leading him to do some of those things, like going to a different place or doing something miraculous or um, making a decision on who he's going to have follow him, like those sorts of things, which just shows dependence on the spirit, but it is done after having like communion prayer with the father. So it's just, they very much go hand in hand. And I think a lot of times when we actually are praying, we're doing a lot of talking. Whereas I wonder if it's really meant to be us listening to what the spirit is needing to say and that sort of thing. Yeah. So we have actual direction and not just, I just, you know, word vomited all over you, God. All right. Bye. Like we didn't actually listen to anything that he had to say in response to that, you know? Right. Which isn't saying here, and we're, we want to be really clear. We're not saying here that you're going to hear God say to you something like, turn here, do this, do that. It's so much more nuanced than that. Sometimes for me, dependence on the Holy Spirit is knowing what the word of God says and being confronted with a situation. And the spirit reminds me of a verse. I know what the truth is. And when I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit, I choose to let God be all that I need. And I choose the truth and the right thing to do 
versus when I choose the wrong thing to do, which is why so many people have gotten the Holy Spirit mixed up with like Jiminy Cricket or the idea of conscience. They, they, like I know the right thing to do and clearly I'm following God when that happens. It's not even about you following God. It's about are you dependent on the Holy Spirit letting him lead you into the right decision? Mm-hmm. So that might be you're, you're given a chance to give money to someone like you shared with the following God, you know, the knowing the will of God episode, the, the person that you wanted to share money with and you didn't know what to do and you drove away. And then later on, you're like, I should have done that. And then you mm-hmm. went back and did it. Or, or Pastor Mark said that he actually turned around and went, you know, around the exit for 10, yes, 10 yeah. more minutes to go get. And the idea there was the spirit was prompting you to do something. You knew what was right. You had all these verses popping out in your head or these stories in scripture that were just so clear to you. And the spirit was screaming at you in that moment. You know what to do here. Are you going to depend on me? Are you going to do things your own way? And what Jesus is modeling for us is, and this is what us as disciples do, is we follow him and say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus in this. I'm going to know what the scriptures say, and I'm going to do what they're asking me to do. And when I don't do that, I'm not being dependent on the spirit, but it doesn't mean that I've like wandered off course so far that I have no chance of coming back. God might give me another chance or Mm -hmm. another opportunity. But the idea is dependence on the Holy Spirit is, is knowing what God would want and then doing it. Now, we, we both have tons of different stories, but you were sharing that one right before we got on about an individual, and we'll share their story even though it's in a book. It's not you know our story to share, but what were you describing with that individual and their experience? Yeah, so, I mean, I had shared that this was a book I was reading, Enter Wild, by Carlos Whitaker, and, I mean, he was even talking in there how he was like, I don't know how to hear from God very well, and and he was saying that his wife is really good at it, and he was really trying to work on it, and... um. And so he was, a friend also had asked him, like, well, how do you do this? He's like, well, let's start small. And he was like, just pray about where we should eat for lunch. And um, when they got done praying, his friend was like, I don't really think I heard anything. I don't really, I don't know. He's like, well, what, what came to your mind? Like, what popped up or what nudge did you have? And he's like, this Thai place that we, like, never go to and blah, blah, blah. So he's like, well, let's go. Let's just let's just see. You just don't know, you know. And so they went, and then they had their lunch, and everything was fine. And as they were leaving, then there was, you know, this guy that came and was like, wait, wait, I totally saw you at this other coffee shop a couple of days ago. I had the nudging to pray for you and to talk to you, but I didn't take it. And then there you are, just walking right by. And it's, and it's one of those things I think for both of them too. One of them was like, wow, God totally, like came through and for the other one was probably like there's my second chance which I had talked about yeah, yeah with the with the will of god episode of god give kind of giving us that that second chance but it's just crazy how the same spirit just does what it does like it's just yeah it's absolutely crazy when you hear those stories right but the thing is is that's for all of us you know like the where we kind of call them crazy coincidences but that's just god moving people where they need to be right the which spirit. which helps define this for me because I think some people look at the spirit as being all these crazy coincidences actually having something behind them. That can be true, where the, the father is doing some type of work through the spirit where all these things that you thought were just coincidences was really God working. What defines a disciple, in my opinion, or at least a mature disciple, so we're talking about dependence on the Holy Spirit and what does it look like in a, in a description of a discipled person, right? Mm-hmm. The DDP, someone who's mature in their faith. It means that you're no longer just looking at everything as no longer a coincidence, but you're actually listening for the spirit and looking for him to move and to lead you so that you know in a moment where, well, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to lean into it Mm -hmm. because God must be doing something here. And when I say it doesn't make sense, I don't mean 
doesn't make sense in the sense that, you know, you're supposed to be doing sin or do something that's inappropriate or wrong. No, it's, it's the moment where you're walking on the street, you see a homeless man and you never want to give money to the homeless man. But all of a sudden in your heart, you just know I'm supposed to give money to this guy or I'm supposed to give this to this guy or, or gal. And you just know, like, I am so overwhelmed right now. Fine. I'll go do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of a number of times in my life, uh, where the spirit just prompted me to do something and instead of going, what a crazy coincidence that all happened the way it did, it was a, whoa, okay, God, you're you're wanting me to do something here. And I step out in faith, do what he's asking me to do, and this amazing experience happens. And I don't even mean amazing as in like, you know, I found a million dollars. Amazing could be you start talking to someone and they say, all I needed today was to talk to somebody. And I so badly was praying that God would send somebody to talk to me today and you just walked over. This is weird. And I'm like, well, it's not weird actually. Cause I was listening to the spirit and I just was prompted to come talk to you. And I know that God wanted me to meet you in this moment and to do something here. Like we're supposed to have some kind of conversation that's going to lead to something that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. Or the times, like I said, where I'm confronted with a sinful option or a, a righteous option and the spirit just screams in my ear, we are working on this, <laughs> you know, like you've been praying about this, you know, it could be like when I started praying for patience, I felt like such an idiot because the next day, then the the moments that that pushed my buttons and I was so overwhelmed with all the stupidity in my life and I get halfway through the day and the spirit's just laying on my heart. Do you realize you prayed for patience yesterday and all you're doing today is complaining about all these circumstances and I'm like, oh, fine, I'll depend on you. And it's a moment where I have to learn to step back, let him lead and he's going to teach me patience. It's going to hurt but it's going to be worth it, right? I've always heard, yeah, if, if there's one thing you don't want to pray for, it's patience because you're going to get all of these circumstances where you're going to need it. Which is such a cop-out. I know. I, I hate it when people say that because if, if if the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience, we should want yes, patience. Yes. So I, I know that the joke, that's always a funny. joke that preachers make, like don't pray for patience because then he's going to give you a chance to exercise it. Pray for patience a lot because yeah. I want him to teach you to exercise yeah. it. And, and as a disciple maker, I want, people who that I'm discipling to learn to lean into those moments and realize the uncomfortable feeling in their heart where they're at and go, I don't like this, but spirit, you're going to do something in me. So I'm going to lean into this situation and go from there. So I'm thinking about a couple of the situations I've had even in the last few months with individuals I'm working with who have come to me and said, this is what my heart's wrestling with right now. And that's the, the phrasing that we usually use. I'm wrestling with this, or my heart is really uncertain about this, or I'm unsteady in this way. And then we talk it through, we pray about it together. And then we go, all right, what do you think God is asking you to do? And when they answer, my response usually is, I want you to lean into that. I I want you to lean into turning this off and spending more time with your spouse. Or I want you to lean into choosing to do this career path versus this career path. Or I want you to take that class that you're feeling led to as opposed to doing the other one that you feel like you're supposed to for your degree. Mm -hmm. I don't know what God's doing here, but this prompting isn't normal. It doesn't make sense. And it's, and it's everything you're asking to do is, is there's nothing unrighteous about it. So let's lean into it and see what God's got for you. And oftentimes that's the learning of the dependence on the Holy Spirit. It's learning to go, man, I got, I just want to trust you. This doesn't make sense, but I know you're moving here. You're doing something. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step into it and see what happens. Yeah. Leaning into those, to those promptings. Right. Yeah. I think like one indicator that somebody, uh, may be becoming more dependent on the spirit too is just, I mean, we talked about a little bit last time with loving others, but I think it's Mm -hmm. just starting to see that this is so much bigger than you. We are very naturally selfish, but when we start to see that like 
our lives intersect with these lives and God has put us in that life for a reason. And they're like, all of this is, yeah, it's just so much bigger than just us. I think that's when we start to see and be, yeah, a little more open to what the spirit might be doing because we see all the intersections and, and yeah, totally. start to see more of the bigger picture rather than just me and my schedule and my life for today. It's more like I've just intersected with so many different people. What am I supposed to do with that? You know, like, right. What's the spirit wanting me to do with that? So, And some of the other discipleship theories that I've studied and, and worked through and talked through with people, they usually make Holy Spirit the, the all-encompassing part. And I understand why they do that, because you can't love God and his word without the Holy Spirit leading you to do so. You can't love others well without the Holy Spirit leading you to do so. So I understand why you would use the Holy Spirit to encompass all the 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 five things than what we would use in our list. The reason why I wanted to put it in the list isn't because it's different. I think all of these interlink with each other, right? We love God and love others because we love God and his word. And it, it, it those just yeah. connect to each other. So I think all six of these connect really well and they sort of show us what a mature disciple is. But the Holy Spirit is one that's not talked about a ton in the evangelical church in certain areas of it. And so I want to I want to be careful not to say that we're doing certain things that people would expect when you say word Holy Spirit, they freak out a little bit. We're not talking about that. We're just saying here, learn to listen, let God lead you. And and I think it's a good practice for us to learn. And a mature disciple is going to do that as we've just, yeah. I think, referenced. And, and one of the things we just talked about was how many times did we just mention as we talked about dependence on the Holy Spirit, we were praying to discern the, the Holy Spirit's leading, which is why dependence on prayer is the other part of this. You know, uh, it's this whole idea. So, so since they go hand in hand, you know, break that out for us a little bit. What, what did you see there? So moving on into, into prayer. Yep. Um, so once again, going to look into Jesus and what he did. I know that what would Jesus do was kind of like, I don't want to say it was a, cause it wasn't a joke, but it became a cliche, uh, how many, how many years ago was that? I mean, it still is a thing, but it was 15, 20 years ago that the bracelets were a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. But that's what I do all of the time now. I'm like, well, what would, what would he actually be? Th- and, and I mean, it changes a little bit, but it's like, what would he be thinking in this situation? Right. What would he be doing in this situation? Who would he be talking to in this situation? So it still is kind of a lot like that, uh, like that bracelet, but looking at him with prayer and how he was extremely dependent on it. I mean, I'm reminded of when often it says he would wake early and go to a desolate place. Like he would go Mm -hmm. by himself early in the morning. And I know that a lot of us are like, Oh, I have to do that early in the morning. I can't do mornings. I don't know if he, like he was probably tired at times too. You know, I just, I think we sometimes also think that because he's Jesus, that he was just like, let's go. I'm so ready for you. Like that was very Mickey. <laughs> I apologize, Jesus. But I imagine he was also tired too. And just like slowly waking up while he's, I don't know. I just, I sometimes think he had, we think he had this like supernatural, which, you know, he did to some extent, but I still think he was very human and was tired, exhausted probably at times, Yeah. but he knew what's important and he knew what gives yes. him life. And so he would continue to have habits in his life that would continue to restore that that exhaustion, that would restore that rest, that would give him life where he needed it. And so he would continue to go early in the morning to pray. And then as mentioned, usually big things followed that. He would right. either pivot and go somewhere else. Uh, like I remember when there was the big crowd, 
of people that were like, the, the disciples go, hey, we've got all these people that want to see you. They're so excited to get healed. And he's like, we're going this way. Right. And they're all like, but like, you've got this group. And that I, yeah, that's from him praying and being spirit led that like, this isn't where we need to be anymore. We now need to right. go, need to go elsewhere. So, um, and it just seems like the, yeah, the busier that Jesus got, the more he prayed, not the less like we sometimes do. It's like a back burner sort of thing. Um, well, let's go back to what we just said. If, if Jesus is the model of humanity for us, which I, eventually that's probably going to have to be an entire episode on its own because there's mm-hmm. so much to break down there. But let's just, let's just assume that I'm right in saying that for now, and we'll come back to that later and, and spell it out theologically. But if he is the model of humanity for us, then that means everything he does has a purpose for us. True. So whereas he could have had the father speaking directly to him one-on-one the whole time, that might have been how it was, but it also just might have been as much about him having to pray like we do. And if Hebrews says he was tempted in all ways like we were, then that means he was tired sometimes in the morning and wanted to hit the snooze button if they had that. (laughs) What do you think that would be like? It's a rock at a chicken. (laughs) You just throw the rock at the rooster and shut it up. Uh, But, you know, in that moment. Ten more minutes. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to do this. But Jesus was modeling for us what humanity is supposed to look like. So his first move wasn't to think of self as he was tired. His first move was to think, all right, I need time with my father if I'm going to make today work. And yeah. so that was his move. So it wasn't, and this is kind of the, de- the dependence on prayer. This is why we use that phrase versus just prayerful. Prayer. Because, you know, we pray before meals. We pray before bed. We pray, like, we have routines that we create, and those are all fine. But typically when we get in the habitual idea of prayer, it's just kind of a rote thing that we do. I'm going to do this because it's what I'm supposed to do. It's, it's the right thing to do. Dependence on prayer means I, I do very little in my life without praying first. And I know that I'm unhealthy spiritually, personally, when I'm not relying on prayer as much as I should be. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest d- disappointments of coronavirus for me was at, during that quarantine phase, it, it was so, I was bummed by how little I wanted to pray. So it showed that I was not correct in my, I, oh, my spiritual walk was way out of whack. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's not to say that I can achieve something special by doing this, this, or yeah. this. I'm not saying that. I just, I know when I'm healthy spiritually and when I'm running with God. I also know when I'm not. And one of those markers is, am I praying? Am I dependent on prayer? Is my first move when someone's walking to my office who's challenging to, to stop and in my head be praying, Father, give me the right words to say here? Or am I thinking through a bunch of scripture verses that I'm going to be able to use with this individual? Or am I just complaining in my heart that they're here? Yeah. And when that starts to happen, I know, ah, I, God, I got to get right with you. There's something that's, off. something's off with me and I got to get this straight. So please understand, I'm not talking here about Dependence on prayer isn't one of those things that when you do it, everything's going to go great. We're not promising anything here. In fact, dependence on prayer, dependence on the Holy Spirit might lead you to poverty. <laughs> you, I mean, yeah. you might actually live a life that is so selfless that you don't want anything and you get nothing out of it. We're not, you know, TV evangelists here telling you, give me money and you're going to get everything you want. Like, I don't know why there's a Southern accent when that happens, but well, maybe, maybe there's a stereotype. Maybe there's something there. <laughs> But dependence on prayer is just following Jesus in this. So he was up early in the morning. He was up late at night praying. He was on the mountain, told the disciples to go on ahead. So they hopped in the boat, and then he's walking across the water. Which is just— He picks the 12 disciples after, after. praying all night long. 
he is up in the Garden of Gethsemane all night long praying, asking the disciples to stick yeah. up with him. And they're all like, what? I'm, tired. <laughs> I'm so tired. And so Jesus models this over and over. There is no major initiative in Jesus's ministry that doesn't start with prayer. I feel like that should be repeated like a thousand times. There is no major initiative in Jesus's ministry that does not start with prayer. So college pastors, leaders, if you're running a, you know, an IV campus ministry, if you are trying to move something forward and you are not fervent in your prayer for it, it is not that praying is going to give it some kind of like magic medallion that all of a sudden it's going to succeed because you did it. But if you are not bathing that thing in prayer, and depending on the Holy Spirit to actually get it done, which might change your direction entirely, yeah. it might push you in a totally different direction than you were originally planning, then you probably should be. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, you're just doing it in your own power and you've missed what being a disciple of Jesus Christ is all about. And it will then be exhausting and it will. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not Absolutely. Be able to be carried. So I love this quote that you pulled out. Yeah. So this is from that same, that same study. So the. What's also kind of great about that walking as Jesus walks study is they they essentially have these five or six in there as well. They have yep yeah, and then you go through them for a week at a time, which yep. is pretty. I mean, they they call them a little different things, and they're a little a slightly different, but they're essentially quite the same. But they <clears throat> but he said prayer was central to who Jesus was, central to his being fully human. It was a way for Jesus to renew his energy and determine his next step. Prayer was a priority that at times demanded that he withdraw from the crowds to communicate with the Father. And I just, like the whole renewing energy, we think 30 minutes more sleep will actually be what helps us. And I and I mean, I just thought about this right now. I'm like, maybe it's actually 30 minutes spent with the Father that actually will give us better rest. That would change the world. And so I'm just like, yeah, maybe, because I, I mean, I can press snooze <laughs> for a real long time. That's actually a kind of a little bone you, of contention between can, Aaron and I because he cannot you can, snooze. You can throw I, a lot of stones at the roosters. Oh, my word. I mean, for an hour or more, I could just snooze, <laughs> snooze. Like, I, and I fall back asleep every single time. It's not very restful sleep, though. I think I wake up more tired. But, but just thinking of that, I'm like, he wasn't like half an hour more sleep, which is what we think. He was like half an hour. Well, I mean, not even half an hour, but whatever. Yeah. Time with the father is yep. actually what is going to be more restful to me. And I'm just like, and that will actually be what powers me through the day, not this yeah. 30 minute of sleep. So just, yeah, even just right now is like, that is, yeah, something I need to hear. So, yeah. <laughs> that was conviction. Like there's, yes, there's, it was. There's conviction so I'm just like, settling oh, in in the podcast. Yeah. This is fantastic. There's pause for conviction. <laughs> All right, keep going. Your, your next paragraph there is good too. So, yeah, I mean, just as you said, like, Prayer should be first. And I've been really convicted of this too, like finding myself when I just have coffee with friends and whatnot, being far more like, let's pray. And usually, to be honest, usually it's us praying at the end after I've heard everything that's happening in our lives. And then I'm like, all right, let's pray about this. Um, So technically, mine's coming last in those instances. But when you're making a big decision, it should be first. When you're, yeah, whatever it might be, it should be what ends up coming first. And I, I actually, I wrote not last, second, or in the middle, but it should probably be all of those things, right? Like, it should be coming in the middle. It should be coming at the end. That is what actually being dependent on it would be, is Correct. that it is in all of it. So, And we usually call people who pray a lot prayer warriors. 
and we're always like, those are our prayer warriors. Those are the prayer warriors. Shouldn't we all be that? We should all be prayer warriors. <laughs> we should all be prayer warriors. <laughs> we should all be, and that's not to say that we look at other people and go, man, they just make me feel so guilty about my prayer life. I should, I should be like them. No, don't be like them. Be like Jesus. Be like, like Jesus. That's what a disciple is doing. They're chasing doing. after Jesus. So the, the actually the word disciple, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I'll, I feel like I need to say this a thousand times anyway to everyone who I'm discipling. The word disciple means learner. You are spending your entire life learning. And it's not just learning in the sense of, well, I'm glad I have that information. Learning in the sense of my life has now changed because of what I know. And so as I learn how to be more like Christ, I am actually becoming more like Christ. The Holy Spirit is changing me from the inside out, the, the idea of sanctification, me, me being molded into the image of the Son. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus as I follow Jesus. Well, how do I follow Jesus? Well, I have to learn how to follow Jesus, which means I need to spend a lot of time in the Gospels. And as I'm reading about him and learning about him and then jumping out and reading about him in other places and realizing the entire story of Scripture, the entire canon of Scripture is pointing to this individual, we start to notice some major themes. You love God and you love his word. Mm -hmm. You love other people. You're dependent on the Holy Spirit because every prophet was, otherwise they wouldn't have been a prophet. Jesus was dependent on the Holy Spirit. And you're dependent on prayer. Those are the first four that we've got. And so this idea here is I am not just praying because I want to be a better person or I'm praying because I want to, you know, rub the lamp and have the genie pop out and go, I want more wishes. Like that's not prayer. Prayer is often just me spending time with the father and him slowly showing me how messed up I am and molding me into the image of his son. So sometimes the spirit prompts me, why didn't you pray about this? And that's really convicting. And then I'm like, shoot. Yeah, you're right. I should be praying first, middle, last, like you just said, I should be praying all the time. And it's not that I feel guilty about it. Shame and guilt, that's not what I'm aiming for. It's its this feeling of, I want to be more like Jesus. Writing the course. It's yeah. I want to be like the up. one that, that saved me. He called me to be like him. So it's not even that I'm putting up some kind of moral something that I'm trying to achieve. I, I'm, I am messed up, and I'm never not going to be messed up. Christ is has forgiven me. I'm justified before him, and I, he is going to continue to lead me and guide me all the days of my life. I'm always going to be disappointed with who I am compared to who I should be. And that's not to say that he doesn't love me and, and accept me. Mm-hmm. Don't hear all those other things that you want to hear. But in those moments, it reminds me, man, I've got a lot of work to do. God's still using me, still molding me into the disciple he wants me to be. So I use it as instead of guilt and shame, it's conviction. It's like, man, you're right. Yep, here I go. And I repent and I move back into where I'm supposed to be. And then I realize I'm off again, repent, move back to where I'm supposed to be. And it's a continual lifestyle of that. Yeah, I... I think it's funny when we look at prayer and we think this is what's going to make it successful because if we're truly trying to follow Jesus, I mean, he prayed so much and was ex- and was dependent on it and it led him to the cross. You know, it's like that's not success in our eyes. So why do we think it's going to be different for, you know, like it's just so mm-hmm. funny. It's just so always so funny to me that we, and I do too. I, I still think that the riches and the blessing is should be coming, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here nope. for for God. I'm not here and I'm here for Jesus. He's, he needs to be enough, not the blessing, not what could come next. So totally, but it's always so funny to me that, yeah, we're like, oh yeah, if I pray for this, then, and we don't actually, we don't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't even say that. It's just a, a thing we think. Like I would never go, I'm going to pray for this so that it can be successful. It's just an actual, just a subconscious thing that we automatically think. Mm-hmm. And when you ask yourself, is truly Jesus enough? Then that's when you go, oh, I don't know, is he? And you have to really th- wrestle with that. Or we or that. we mess something up and then someone says, well, did you pray about it? 
as if that oh. was. Yeah. And they're totally right. Yes. We should have prayed about it. But praying about it might have actually averted us from doing it at all. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not successful because we didn't pray. It We didn't pray. So, yes, it definitely wasn't successful because we didn't pray. But that means that maybe God had another idea for us and we chose to go another direction. But what's so cool is our God is so good that mm-hmm. he is able to carry us Hard along and, and accomplish good for the, you know, everything is created to be good for those who love him. Even the worst things in our life can turn into something beautiful if we let God do what he wants to do with it, which is dependence, mm-hmm. learning to depend on him completely with all that we have. Yeah, when I when I think of prayer, yeah, it's more because I often when I talk with my students about prayer, I often have to, to remind them that like prayer isn't necessarily for God. It's for us. Like it's to write my my perspective to basically for me to realize like who I actually am because as I'm going about my day, I can start getting pretty selfish and and thinking that everybody needs to be doing what I'm doing. And so it for me prayer a lot of the time is like, okay, yes, this is who I am. I I am, or like, I might have to be like, I am loved, I am worthy, whatever those those things might mm-hmm. be, because I might start to think super negatively about myself. Like, all of those things are really what prayer is majorly for me, is to, yeah, remind myself of who I am. Right. Whose I am. Um, and like, yeah, the bigger picture perspective kind of aspect. That's like the everyday prayer stuff. Is yeah. Constantly being reminded of that. Nope, Otherwise that's it becomes about me. That's good. So learning to be dependent, it's a huge marker of a disciple. And I think that actually, I mean, we see this in a number of passages in Scripture, but Philippians 2, just this idea of Christ humbling himself before the Father, taking on flesh, dying on the cross, doing all these things for our behalf, putting himself last so that we might be pushed forward, is so crazy. And that's really the idea. And so his dependence on the Father led him to doing something that makes us significant even more so in the Father's eyes, which is amazing and beautiful and phenomenal. And then we somehow blow past that point and we move right into, I'm the most important thing in the world. That's what God says. Yeah. Of course course you're important. Otherwise, he wouldn't have died for you. But you're not the most important thing in the world. And so learning to depend is is a strategy and a difficulty for a disciple. I mean... It really just means you surrendering your own rights, you realizing I am not the most important thing in the world. I'm going to let God lead me here, which is what Israel got wrong. For those in Israel who chose to not do things God's way, they, they missed the, the mark. They missed the mm-hmm. point. You're not the most important thing. Yes, I chose you, but I chose you and I want you to live a different kind of life because of it, which is really what a Christian is, is doing, is following in that idea. So... You know, Noah wasn't dancing on the ashes of everybody who died in the flood. That, no. That's not his character. That That's not who he was. It's not who he wanted to be. And yet, all too often, that's us. You know, we're chasing after cultural relevancy or a presidential candidate or all these things instead of just depending on the Father, letting him lead us to be more Holy Spirit-driven and leading us to be more prayer-driven. Mm-hmm. So may we be different. Yeah. Is that it? I think so. All right. <laughs> I think that is too. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Let us know if you have any thoughts on our thoughts. Any questions, concerns, comments? Snide remarks. Whatever. We'll take them. 
Yeah, thanks, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at The Yamcast. Church, we have a a framework that we look at with discipleship. And, oh gosh, where'd I go? (laughs) The train left the building, okay? (laughs) The train is no longer in my head. I don't even know what I was talking about, discipleship. We might have to start that.